Are you looking for the best tips and tricks to run a successful dental practice? You're in the right place. Welcome to Bulletproof Dental Practice, interviewing some of today's most successful dentists with your hosts, Dr. Peter Bolden and Dr. Craig Spodak. What's up, everybody? Dr. Peter Bolden here. And today we're going to repost a podcast episode that I did with Dr. Howard Ferran. Everyone, I mean, everyone in dentistry knows Howard because he is the creator of Dentaltown. And I have to say, it was a really cool honor to speak with him because of the impact that Dentaltown had early on in my career. And he's obviously a, a clearly brilliant and a huge innovator in our field, um, but mostly just because of the impact that he's had to our profession. It was just a huge honor and pretty cool to talk with Howard. He publishes these podcasts like once a day, which is a fellow podcaster, this kind of boggles my mind a little bit, but kudos to him for being able to massively deploy content daily to the dental community. So thanks, Howard, for that. Howard and I had a lot of fun with this one talk, and we spoke about all sorts of stuff from team drama and how to prevent it, to genomic mapping, to work-life balance, you know, all under one conversation. So I hope you guys enjoy the chat, and we will see you next time. Over and out. It is just a huge honor for me today to be podcast interviewing Peter Bolden all the way from Atlanta, Georgia. He's been a practicing dentist for over 15 years and has built a very successful fee-for-service three-location enterprise in Atlanta, Georgia, where he was raised his entire life. He is also the owner of a practice in North Georgia, which he acquired but does not do clinical dentistry there. It has, been, it has seen tremendous growth by using the systems and marketing practices created from his flagship practice in Atlanta, even though it's an insurance-driven practice. Dr. Bold is passionate about both clinical dentistry and the business of dentistry, creating systems and processes, developing marketing programs at work, and building an office culture that focuses on the patient's dental experience. He loves talking about goal-setting and work-life balance and sharing these tips and strategies with other dentists. He also co-hosts the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast with Dr. Craig Spodak, Together, they discuss those topics, along with many others pertaining to work within the dental industry. He is married with three young kids. Dude, I love your podcast. That's why I called you. Tell um, And also, um, how long, what year did you get out of school? You got out of 2002? Two, yep. So you've been out 15 years. And yep. um, what, what do you think it's like out? Um, what is it like in Georgia for uh, kids coming out of school these days? Your buddy, your partner on the podcast, Craig Spodak, he's in Florida. Yep. Where where is he in Florida? He's in uh, Delray Beach, which is um, you know I guess in this in the South Florida area. So South definitely Florida. a competitive space. So so what's it like in Atlanta, Georgia now? What, what what would you be telling these millennials who are getting ready to graduate next year? Right now they're working as an associate somewhere. What would it be like starting a dental office today in in Atlanta? I think it'd be rough. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> you know, honestly, Howard, I, I thought you might touch on this because I've thought about this a lot. And um, I honestly would have told a lot of grads that if I were them, I would look at a more rural setting if it felt like it'd be something they could do. And that the reason I say that is because there's I think there's a lot more opportunity in that kind of setting. I think the quality of life is a little bit better. I think you can make a little bit better. I think you can make more of an impact. I mean, so, you know, from what I've seen, there's just a lot of saturation, especially in, in big cities, because unfortunately, everyone wants to go there. Yeah. And it seems like the only people that go rural are the people that come from rural. 
the deans of yep. the dental schools to figure that out. They, they, they first they thought, well, if you double the supply of dentists, it'll spread them all out across the rural. And that's just clearly not true. If you're born Didn't in Hollywood, have. you're not going to go to Bakersfield. And now, now they're realizing if you want some kid to go to a town of 5,000, you got to get a kid from that town of 5,000 to go to dental school. And a lot of the dentists, you know, everybody always whines. You know, you're either an optimist or a pessimist. And, um, you know, I, I got dentist friends who are mad at their dad because they're, they're alcoholics because their dad was an alcoholic. I got other dentist friends that watched their dad be an alcoholic and decided at age 12 to never have a drink of fire water their entire life and have still never had a drink. And um, I know dentists in small towns that complain, well, you can't get a hygienist to come to a town of 3,000. I know another dentist that went to the high school and had an essay contest, why I want to be a dental hygienist. And if you won the essay contest, he'd pay your way to go to hygiene school. Two girls sent an essay, so he sent them both to hygiene school and bada boom, bada boom. Wow. He's got two hygienists. I think it's a town of like 3,000. So, I mean, at some point, you got to make your own luck, you know? I mean, it just, it's a little crazy to me. I literally, you mentioned, or you, you mentioned that I had a practice in North Georgia. I don't work at that. I bought that as just an acquisition investment, but literally they've been, they've been telling me like, you know, I can't, number one, I can't find another dentist and we're at a capacity issue. And they're like, we can't see a new patient till September. I mean, I'm sorry, seven months from now, which to me as a marketing kind of, uh, you know, that's kind of how I built my business. It really, I'm like, what do you mean we can't see a new patient? Like, it, so it really, it really bothers me at the core. Um, so that being said, I just, you know, I could find a practice, I could find a dentist for, you know, in town in Atlanta super quick, but it's just crazy. Cause I don't know. I just find it bewildering to me a little bit. Now, how far away was this town from Atlanta? It's two, it's probably two hours from Atlanta. So it's right at the North Carolina border. It's in a town called Blairsville. Um, and it's, so it's, you know, awesome quality of life, awesome people, awesome patients, but you know, but whatever, you know, to each his own. Yeah, so so your first advice would be rural. Well, but, but on your podcast, you talk about so many systems. What what uh, what do you want to? Um, what systems do you think people listening to you today should be thinking about? Um, you know, a lot of the systems. You know, there's obviously clinical systems um, that you need to have on point and. You know, I'm big on kind of creating manuals and videos and education on that because um, so so I'm going to put it into two silos, Howard, kind of some some business systems, you know, KPIs and all that stuff I can go into and then clinical systems because they have to work in tandem. And um, so I'm a big proponent of 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 really documenting the process so that people can't go rogue and figure out their own process. I want to be the the author of that process or at least have my team be. So we have a document that kind of goes around that that we are continually editing, almost like a Wikipedia, right? Like for our manual. Um, Can my homies see that manual? Nah, uh, I don't know, man. Is that proprietary? That's been a, that's been a that's been a 15 year curation of of stuff. I feel like that'd be a That'd be getting the secret sauce away <laughs> if there was one. <laughs> I don't know. You, well, let me but, let me but, think. Let me think about that. But you, but you, but for fifteen years, you've you've had like a word document going of all your protocols and manuals. Not for fifteen years. I, it's been as of. Uh, I would say it's been within the last three that we've had that going, but it's been the culmination, obviously, of fifteen. You know, so some things have been just put into there. Um, and then the systems that I would really recommend is, you know, 
is from a business standpoint because you know I know the old adage is we don't get told a lot of business stuff in dental school which is true and I think a lot of dentists get very unhappy with the fact that once they get out of school they realize to run their own practice the dentistry is only about half the uh, half of their job you know and um, so you know become versed and become skilled at kind of knowing what to do with with running a, a literally a business it's not just clinical yeah, and you look, you look at these dentists and basically, you know, they, they say they didn't learn any business in dental school, but they also didn't learn their politics, their religion, their diet, their food. And the, the biggest giveaway I see is if, if, if your mom and dad own their own business, you come out of the gates running. And if your mom and dad were employees uh, and no one talked business, then, you know, I mean, you, you go to dinner at anybody's house where mom and dad own the transmission shop or the restaurant or the yep. farm they're always talking about bills, overhead, cash flow, but it, but if your mom and dad just clock in and out, then there's no discussion of it at home. One other other piece of advice that I you know for new grads, and I don't know if you kind of I know you asked about systems, but you know there's something kind of intangible to talk about as well, and so it's kind of like the self awareness and really. Um, what am I trying to say? Like not so. I just did a podcast with Chris Ramsey. I don't know if you know him. So Ramsey and Ritter, they're in South Florida. And he spoke about, he speaks about one of the most important subjects as I am, which is kind of a body language and empathy and kind of having awesome, um, you know, chair side manner and stuff like that, which I think has been um, missed a little bit. And I think that's the delineating factor. If you can have those amazing qualities, that's what makes you an amazing enrolling dentist. I, I couldn't agree more. It's the whole bag of chips. A lot of people ask me, well, why didn't you start a chain of dental offices? And I thought, well, I didn't think the core competency was the location, the marketing, the advertising. I, I, I thought the, the only core competency was the dentist. And if they had a chair side manner, they always made you feel good. They always made you secrete oxytocin, dopamine, serotonin. And you just liked that guy. You crushed it. But if you put them in fight or flight and you talk down, you blamed them, they didn't, you know, you, and you don't have that chair side manner, they all run. And my God, I mean, and there's not one person in America knows what any of that alphabet soup shit is behind your name. I mean, I'll, you'll get a real estate agent and there's like seven different letters behind their name. No one knows what FAGD, MAGD, DDS, they don't even know what a DMD is. Right. Um, exactly. And, uh, and by the way, the DDS is the only real dentist. You know how you can tell? How? If I put your name in, Peter Bolden, DMD, in a Microsoft Outlook today, it makes DMD your last name and then Peter Bolden. But if I put Howard Fran DDS, it'll put Fran last comma Howard. So it knows DDS is really? a recognized license. According to Microsoft. And they know that DMD is just, you know, it's just... It's just, it's just a, a joke, It's right? just a we pretend need to, We need to call Kentucky and <laughs> tell them to stop giving those out. Well, actually, all of the last seven new dental schools all went with DMD. You know, it's funny. People always ask me, like, what's the difference? I'm like, I don't know. Well, there I have no idea. It shouldn't confuse the, the, the consumer. I think that, I mean, you know, because there are differences with some different last degrees. But if there's not a difference between the degree, then they, you shouldn't confuse the market. I, think. I tell people mine was just an online degree. I got mine. Just, <laughs> yeah, From the University of Phoenix Online? Um, but, but yeah, I mean, so, but is that chair side manner that, um, warm and fuzzy, um, person, the lady that just knows how to explain, I mean, Einstein always said, you know, if you can't, you got to explain it simple. 
And, you know, if you can't explain it simple, you don't understand what you're talking about. Yeah. And do, do you think that can be taught or is that innate? I mean, do you think, um, is that you know, personality think, already there? Yeah. So I think some of it's learned and I think some of it's just, you know, the, the gift that God gave you or, or, you know, whatever it is. But I also think, unfortunately, that our society with all the technology, people aren't getting as much training real world as like, you or I have had, meaning the cell phones. And that's how we do a lot of our interactions now is just on social media and really not out in the real world sometimes. So um, I think that's one of the detriments of, of technology. But back to your question, I, I do think I do think it can be learned because I've seen it done, um, you know, by by reading books like Robert Cialdini's book is an awesome one to kind of start with, you know, the, the talking about. Hmm? What, what, what's the name of his book? Uh, Robert Cialdini. He's Influence. got two. One, he's a. Uh, one's called uh, Persuasion. Yeah. And the other one's called, I think, um, Influence. Yeah. He was my teacher at ASU in MBA school. No way. Yeah, I went to Arizona State University, and that's where he still is. And I live in Ahwatukee. So does he. So and I'm he, a huge fan of his. Like, and he won't come on my damn podcast because he's too damn busy. He's like, dude, I'm yeah, too busy. I'm too. I'm way too busy. I don't have an hour. <laughs> I bet he is. I bet he is, man. Yeah. I thought the most important thing in that book was, um, um, you know, when we were little and they had um, Charlie Brown, whenever the adults were talking, they always were wah, 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 wah. And then I had four babies. And I was talking to my Eric so many times. My dad would say, Howard, he doesn't understand 90% of the words you're saying. He, he's one. He's got like a 10-word vocabulary. And yeah, I'm thinking, yeah. wah, wah, wah. And, and he figured out that the word because was the most influential, persuasive word. Because when you're a baby sapien, you hear wah, 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 because. And then you're going to do something else. And mm-hmm. it's already hardwired in their brain that the minute you say because, they go from, okay, I don't know or care or believe all the reasons, but what do I got to do? And he has so much research that said that, you know, if you say, come in and buy this because or and when you're talking to me because of that i mean it was a very powerful book yeah they actually even give an example and i don't know if this was his example but have you ever heard the one where they did an experiment with a grocery line and someone was like hey can i cut in front of you and they tested the response right and people are like no you can't and then they tested it with hey can i cut in front of you because i'm in a hurry and the response was a little bit better but when they said can i cut in you because because i'm late the response was like 90% yes, right? But I, So I think it's to your point. I don't know if the delineating factor was the because, but I think it falls in that kind of vertical of what you're talking about for sure. Yeah, well, well, I mean, I mean, you, you just see so many dental offices where they have every three patients that come in with a cavity, they, they drill, fill, and bill one, and then there's the, and that's 80% of the practices. Then 20%, three people come in with a cavity, and they drill, fill, and bill two. And what's consistent is that nobody gets one out of three because you're dealing with crazy people. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, every, I mean, how many hypoglycemics are pre-diabetic who are, or even started taking insulin are still drinking a twelve pack every night? You know what I mean? They're, they're people. I mean, how many, how many patients have you come in with an oxygen tube and they're smoking outside yeah. your office before they come in? I mean, they're they're people. You got to love them, but they're yep. freaking crazy. And yep. so, so one out of three isn't going to do anything they're told. But the real difference is that are you going to be that do one out of three cavities or two out of three cavities? And that's going to come from terrified manner, saying the yeah, right words. The law of thirds, like 
a third always say yes, a third are all decided, and a third always say no. So really, you kind of your enrollment should be at least sixty six percent. Yeah, if if you can learn that chair side, and and then the other thing with the office is that that chair side manner. Well, the most important ones who's answering the phone, and then they come in. It might be the assistant to take them back to the room, and then there's the hygienist for an hour. So there's like four relationship touch points that just it just takes one to go south and she's gone yep yep 100 percent. i totally agree with that so how do you so how do you coach your um team on your new patient experience your customer service i know you're really big into the um the customer well i'm into the experience the customer experience um yeah because i think that's where you know there's a huge talk and you know, I'm sure you hear it way more than I do even about the, the fear of corporate takeover and this and that, you know, with dentists and stuff like that. And I say that really, I think that the single solo dentist has the advantage. Number one, they have the advantage of being the relationship and the experience. Cause I'll, you know, I can be at the pants off of a corporate experience all day long. Right. And so I'm big on creating that experience, especially with millennials as they're coming up, because they're they're big on that. They're big on the experience and the quality and the value, not so much the price point, which is what some generations has been. I think my generation, I guess it was Gen X, it was more on well, what's the cheapest price, you know, because we were a product of our parents. But I think the upcoming generations are going to value um, experience and you know, the ecosystem and the process much, much more than, than other generations have. Well, I think how it's funny how um, everybody thinks corporate would be the bad guy and corporate is, number one, they're the only ones providing all the jobs to the 6,000 graduates each year. So the, the graduates are thanking God for corporate. Number two, the only practice you can sell is right at a, around a sweet spot of about 750,000 plus or minus 100. So if you build your practice to two or three or four million, only Heartland write you a check today for that so they provide liquidity and what's always best but no one ever wants their own advice is competition every fortune 500 company has been begging washington to keep out japanese cars germans they nobody wants competition and what corporate's bringing is competition on hours availability uh better websites better better hours better um convenience so that so competition always makes the whole industry more healthy totally agree and i am not and i'm not I'm not insinuating by any means that that corporate's not good, bad, or indifferent. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that I hear of people being scared a lot, and sometimes it's been like, oh well, they're, I'm going to give up. I'm just going to sell because they're going to win. I'm like, well, I don't, I don't know if that be should be your attitude. Um, so I mean, my God, I, what I would fear is if you were across the street, not three corporate dental chains. Exactly. And, and a lot of these demons that everybody throws at the corporate dental chains is industry-wide. Like they always say, well, corporate can't keep their associates. Well, free enterprise doesn't keep their associates. Go ask all the associates how they like their associate job. Right. I mean, I mean, you, and you can measure it. You can, I, I, you can really sum up the whole damn thing in two things, macro and micro. Macro, nobody ever stops needing new patients. So most dentists, by the time they get to 5,000 charts, 4,000 are not scheduled for anything on the computer, which is my definition of active. So you go to some man in a small town of Georgia, only 5,000 people, and he practices from 25 to 65, 40 years. And you go meet him, say, hey, buddy, what do you need? He's like, well, I, I need some new patients. 
Dude, you've been here for four decades. There's only five thousand people. You've pissed everyone off at least three times. Yeah, you're 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 done. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, I mean. So so nobody keeps their customers for life. Every single dental office I've ever seen still needs new patient flow for cash flow. So nobody kept their patients. I think corporate keeps them less than that, but that, that could be a bias that means no one. And then, and then why associates don't work, I'll just summarize it to burrs. I mean, you go into any group practice, it doesn't matter if it's Aspen or, or just one group practice of four guys. The assistants are like, okay, we have four dentists, and every one of them needs seven different burrs to do a filling, and then they need eight different burrs on top of that to do a crown, and, and then you sit down, and half the time we're saying, well, I, I can't do it with this burr. Go find me that burr. And they're just like, hey, could you guys just all agree on a round burr block with five burrs for all fillings. And they say, you're out of your mind. That's impossible. I mean, what are you going to say next? That you just saw a pig fly by the, by the window? So if you can't get three dentists in one building to agree on five burrs for a filling, mm-hmm. how the hell are you going to run corporate dentistry? You can't get dentists to agree on anything. Right, right. And especially, you know, I mean, you know, and I, I don't know if, if having equity or not having equity is a staying factor these days, but like I know that, you know, just the churn is is what um, happens in, in corporate. But obviously, you you know, you you just alluded to the fact that it, it happens in private practice too. you know, failed associateships just as readily. So but you just but uh, you just you just summed it up. It, it is it is the equity. The lawyer started group practice. 50 years before we did, and all these big international law firms, and they realized that all their lawyers quit unless you made them partner. And yep. so you come in there, and you work your ass off for five years. You bring a new business. You hustle. You're humble. You listen. You get the corporate culture, and, they, and we decide, okay, you're one of us. You're humble. You play nice in a sandbox. You bring new business. You run this thing like an owner, so we're going to make you an owner, and it's called a partner. And that's how they do it in those, uh, those big consulting firms. And then you go work at corporate, and they say, oh, you're an employee today, and if you stay with me for 40 years, you'll still be an employee. <laughs> right. And so that then give the that human That sounded in. good to no one ever, right? Like, yeah. That's, yeah. So the business – so the, obviously um, the business model, the, the best business model for corporate I don't think has been discovered yet. Um, it's still no. evolving. No, I don't. I think, I think we're going to learn lessons from companies like Amazon and Uber. And I think there is going to be an evolution in dentistry. It's going to follow suit pretty quickly. Um, but, you know, our economy, our society has changed. Um, and and dentistry has not – and dentistry is the same cottage industry typically that it was since inception. Yeah. So so how do you um, – how do you let, – let's, let's start if I, with the, the biggest – problem if i lined up 100 and said what is what is your biggest problem what keeps you up at night the most it's always a people issue it's either their employees or their patients it's usually their employees my hygienist hates my assistant uh mm-hmm. I, I i told the whole staff we're, we're going to go bankrupt next week and after the meeting three i'm asking for a raise um you know <laughs> you know i mean you know i was how how do you what is your hr skills how what what advice could you give people because they're they're coming out of an associateship job they want to start a de novo practice and they're going to have to start hiring some employees. They're going to find out that if they thought their family around the Thanksgiving table was crazy and insane, wait till they have a bunch of employees. Would yes. you say, would you say employees are crazier than family, or would you say they're equally insane? 
I mean, you know, I don't, I'm not going to say I, I love my, I mean, I'm a big team, you know, I, I have, uh, you know, over 30, 35 people and I, and I don't have bad, uh, you know, I kind of dig my team. I mean, you know, and maybe that's the culture that's been created or the culture I created and it just kind of keeps out, um, any kind of bad behavior, but, um, but it really is a, it really is a team effort. And I just don't have that drama. I don't even deal with much HR, believe it or not. Because the fish rots from the head down. So just like you have a chairside manner and you love talking to people about what they need, you love your team. It's your culture. When there's dysfunction and chaos and whatever, there's only, you know, Harry S. Truman had a sign on his desk. The buck stops here. It's your team. So that's just, your skill and, and organically, Howard, like those people who who cause a lot of problems and end up finding their happiness somewhere else. Just and, and it wasn't because I did, but the team kind of will alienate them and, and we'll find that not on purpose or mean, but you know what I mean? Like they're just like, hey, because I tell my people, if you remember, do you remember the Under Armour uh, commercial where a long time ago it was like, who will protect this house? You know, it was all the athletes. No one ever remembers. I did a lecture for Mark Costas, and I said this on a stage, and everyone kind of looked at me like, what? Anyway, he had this – there was this commercial, and it was – I don't know who the athlete was, but he was yelling at everybody, and they were training. It was like, who will protect this house? You know, and this is our house. No one can get into this stadium. Protect this house. So I kind of used the same mentality with my team. Like, you guys have – you love where you work right now, right? Protect this house. Protect this house because someone can come in and ruin this environment. They can ruin your 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 life that you spend. They can ruin half of your life because you spend about that much here. So protect this house. Protect this culture. Treat it right. Yeah, that is nice. And uh, yeah, and once you get the culture going, um, if you run it for 15, 20, 30, 40 years, sometimes you'll see a new person come in and start to create a cancer of uh, dysfunction. And that's the other Boy. thing that the greatest leaders do is when they spot that this person, and a lot of times you're right, there's nothing wrong with them. You see it in the NFL all the time where a player is horrible on this team, he gets Absolutely. traded, and then he's, he's an all-star. He's amazing. Yeah, so, um, so but you got to be able to spot it. And so many dentists, um, I, I always see it in my own eyes, and I always hear about it from staff where, you know, when the root canal is done, you know, he goes in his office and shuts the door. And there could even be, a, you know, a, a yelling, screaming match and sterilization and he walks right past, you know, he's not involved. He's, he doesn't want to, he just wants to bury his head in the sand. So he doesn't have the natural curiosity or involvement. You know, I was talking about the NBA. During the whole NBA and NFL game, where's the coach? Walking with the whole front line up and down the field. Where's the dentist? Oh, in his office with the door shut. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a great analogy. Honestly, you're right. You, you, you're, I mean, I think that's engagement on a whole lot of levels. And that's that makes the difference. And um yeah, I mean, I, that, makes, that makes a whole lot of sense. So you talk about goal setting. Um, do you believe the old cliche that if your goals are written down, you're more successful than the guy with the goals not written down? A hundred percent. A thousand percent. I do. I do. And not because I like a secret and put it out in the universe kind of BS, <laughs> um, but simply because I think it keeps your mind. I think putting your subconscious to work is the most powerful thing that we humans have. And I think by Putting reviewing your it daily, to work? our subconscious, our subconscious to work. Yeah. So I review them sometimes at night to actually utilize my sleep, and and uh, so I can wake up with sometimes solutions, and sometimes I do. But every morning I wake up with a with a sheet of kind of what I want to accomplish. Either that's the year, 
And I asked myself, literally, Howard, what's gonna, what am I going to do today that's going to move the needle forward? Just a little bit. Just a little bit. But I totally believe in writing them down. Totally. It keeps you accountable to yourself as well. Yeah, I always, yeah, they always say, you know, lying to other people is what monkeys do to survive. You know what I mean? I mean, uh, but when you start lying to yourself, you're, that, that, that's the real problem. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I also, what I like about the goals is it's, um, it's communication, communication, communication. And I, I, I love it when people even post their goals on Dentaltown because, you know, they're just, they're, they're trying to put out there that, hey, I'm, I'm holding myself to that and they want to create their own environment. I like that. Too. And also creating that transparency, people always want to um, align themselves in e even the help of that. You know, like I, I let my team know some of my goals because I know that they can foster that that acceleration faster and, and vice versa. So so what what um, creating systems and processes just go through some of the bulletproof technology like like what practice manager software did you go with? EagleSoft. EagleSoft and uh, their stock just got ground down, ground downgraded today. Did you see that in the newspaper? No, I don't pay attention. I don't even look at the stock. Stock market puts me in a bad mood, and I used to my day used to live and die by the stock market. So I pretty much am not in the stock market. And you know, and that's why uh, the podcasts on Dentaltown have been exploding. And I am so grateful that you put yours up there because that's what all these millennials tell me. They say I just can't commute an hour to work listening to all this negative news. I mean, if I hear Trump and Russia and Putin and North Korea and ISIS one more time, I'm going to drive off the road. I mean, you listen to that stuff an hour a day, you're in such a bad mood. How can you go in there with a sparkle in your eye and compliment your assistant and get that grandma to do it? I mean, how could you put all that negative thought in your head? And when they drive to work and they listen to you for an hour, um, they, they come to work with more bulletproof, dental practice ideas. I mean, it's just the power of it's positive funny. thinking. Yeah. I don't, I don't listen to that anymore either. Just cause you're right. Like you can't help even the most positive people. If you get the message of doom and gloom all day long from news or you know, the sky is falling, like you can't help but to be a little negative. Um, so, and I don't really get much value from that. And I'm a big value proponent of like, if, you know, I need to make sure I'm getting value with my time. And so I'm a big proponent of podcasts too, even outside of dentistry. I'd say half of them I listen to, maybe even more outside of the field of dentistry. What, what are you listening to? So I, I'm a big fan of a guy named Peter Diamandis. And he talks about actually the contrary to what you were just talking about. He, has a, he wrote a book called Abundance. Oh, yeah. Have you ever heard of it? Yeah. Man, that's like the greatest book ever. And in terms of like, you know, you hear about you know, what's on the news and you think this is the worst time in history that we lived in. It's, it's actually the best time on a whole lot of levels, education, health, politics, war, like all these things. And he kind of shows you, he dispels that through debt with data. Um, and he's kind of just a moonshot thinker. So I kind of like just listening to people like that because it gives me my own little micro moonshots in, in my lane of dentistry. Peter Diamandis. Yep. Well, the other, so that's one. Um, the, the other thing I about the, the news is, um, you know, I, I always tell my four boys, um, don't spend any time focusing on something that you can't change anything. I mean, I mean, if I if I thought about the um, Middle East crisis or whatever, a hundred hours a day for a thousand years, I would have zero point zero zero impact on it. Yep. But if I could sit there and, but I can change my house, 
my boys, my office, my relationships. So, so, so if you have no effect on it, you're wasting your time. And, and if you're wasting your time, like I, I waste a lot of my time uh, in football season. I, and I know it. I know the NFL is a complete idiotic deal. And anybody who makes fun of reality TV shows, it's like, okay, well, you know, reality TV is more intelligent. Because when you watch reality TV, you know why Shawanda is mad at Amy. I have no yeah, idea. Yeah, but it's a waste of time. I can tell you because no my idea. wife's been on my wife's been on several and I've had to partake in a couple and um, she had a couple series and Your wife was on a reality TV show? Yeah, two. No two way. series. Two. What what were they called? So one was on Lifetime called Pretty Wicked Moms. <laughs> you can't make this up. You can't make it up. And they were trying to make wicked like wicked cool, but it ended up being like People construed it a different way. And then she was on one on a network called FYI, and it was named after her clothing store. And her, her store was called Swank. And so it's called it was called Get Swank. But anyway, I had to do appearances all the time on it. And they would literally just tell you what to say. So I'm reinforcing the fact that reality is definitely not reality. Yeah. But um, but the, the point being, I was going to say, is like, um, like, you know, I have some friends, and it's like, you know, I – I just don't want you to talk about politics because when you, you talk about politics, your, your, your breathing goes up and your arms are flinging and you, you get mad, you get upset. But when you talk about football, you don't act that way. Just, I, I just right. don't want you to talk about anything that works you up in a frenzy. I mean, yeah, the, I don't know. Football people can be just as fanatic, especially in the South. Yeah, but I'll tell you what, the, the craziest sports fans on earth are not in America. It's the soccer, soccer crowd. Soccer. Oh my God, that's that's completely at a whole different. It makes the you NFL crowd look go like to a Brazilian soccer game. Yeah, sometimes the ref dies. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> sometimes, the, sometimes some of the, the 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 fans on the opposing team die. Like there's literally like, well, you've seen all the stuff. So so um, Peter Diamandis in abundance, and and mm-hmm. I, and that's huge in dentistry too because when you're a little kid and you go to that small town and there's 20 dentists in there, half of them are going to think in fear and scarcity, and they're not going to, they, they wish you didn't come there, and they don't want to know you or anything. The other half are like, come on, let me buy you a beer, let's talk, and you'll see each other's patients, you'll go to CE course together, and those guys think, you know, the problem isn't another dentist in this town, it's this that everybody bought a new $800 iPhone. Uh, I mean, this country spends more on hair than teeth, uh, so I would just look for a dentist uh, same thing with specialists. Like some orthodontists, if you do an Invisalign case, they won't even look at you at the study club. Well, screw that guy. Go find the orthodontist that says, hey, if you ever have a problem, come by my, my office. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, honestly, so you'll appreciate this. So Peter Diamand is going back to him, and then I'll tell you about one other guy that I really love his podcast. Let's do it daily. But um, so Peter Diamandis and a guy named Craig Venter started this thing called Human Longevity Corporation. It's out in La Jolla. And because I'm such a fan of him and, and his and his acceleration of extending quality of human life to about 120 is what they're trying to do. I went out and had all the I went out and had my genome mapped and like full body MRI and just to get a ton of data on on um, my body. So that that just shows you what a raving fan of his I am. I kind of just followed like a disciple into getting That's like Peter Diamandis did that. Does that? Well, he started the company with a guy named Craig Venter, who is like a famous genomic uh, gen- geneticist who st- who had a couple huge. You know, it's a billion dollar company pretty much now. But um, anyway, that was a cool experience. And what is uh, um, did you post that on Dentaltown? No. 
God, I, I wish you did. Did they, they do go through your DNA and uh, find out that you might be susceptible to a certain disease? Yes. I had, it wasn't just like 23andMe. Like, I literally had every base pair mapped. And what did that cost? Uh, $22,000. $22,000. And what percent Neanderthal were you? <laughs> well, that's a 23andMe. I, I, I don't know. I was like... I was 4.5% Neanderthal. In my family, I was the least Neanderthal, even my mom and dad. So that was that was the joke of the family. But um, so anyway, I did that, Howard. I, I need to go because you asked me the price. Now I need to back it up with why I did that because that people are going to be like, what the hell? So I thought I had some health issues a long time ago. They thought I had Crohn's and some speculation. So I always had this preconceived notion that something was wrong with me. And and so for me, I kind of had to get I had to get clarity on my life cycle, especially having three long, three kids and stuff like that. So, and, and because I, you know, come from the background of science, you know, as a biochem major, I really just wanted to get data in my hands and I wasn't getting it through just blood work. So that's why I kind of went into next level, um, aggregation of, of putting biohacking my own, my own health. And so that's, so that's the disclaimer because I know people are like, what the hell just spending money like that. Um, but it, it actually did, serve tremendous value for me. And there's some other things that came from it, but I won't bore you. The other podcast to jump leap subjects is a guy named Gary Vaynerchuk. Uh, the, the wine house guy. Yeah. The wine library. Yeah. The wine library. Yeah. I love that yeah. guy. So he has a, a, you know, it's the ask Gary V show and I'm just a huge fan of him. Um, and he's just no nonsense, no bullshit, just, just practical, um, business advice. And how how long is his podcast? It's qu- I mean, it goes for how long are the actual podcasts? Yeah. How long has he been doing it? How long are the podcasts? I mean, they're anywhere from an hour and a half because sometimes he'll he'll record his keynote to someone or their twelve minute rants. Yeah, but it's 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 pretty awesome. Uh, you know, I just I dig I dig his uh, authenticity. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, um, you know, it's uh, they always say you're a summary of your five best people. So if you let these negative people in your life just spew all this toxic crap that takes you down. And it's yeah, so cool that with a smartphone and a TV and a podcast, you can have you can let Gary V into your head every day. Yep. Yep. I agree. So, you know, those are, those are a couple of my favorites and I didn't mean to spend too, that long on, on that, but um, yeah. So, so it's back to um, your, your genome though. Um, there was another big breakthrough uh, yesterday. Did you read that? The, so they, um, they knew that, um, they speculated that when Homo sapien left Africa 78,000 years ago, that there's a, a, probably at least five different groups of sapiens walking around, just like there's different groups of, of tigers right now. There's, you know, there's lions and tigers and cheetahs and yep. pumas. And uh, they know that uh, Neanderthal was uh, big and that we bred with them and that they're probably 4% of our genes and all that stuff. They, there was another group that they didn't know hardly anything about, and they, um, they only had a finger bone and two molars, but they found a baby tooth, and they were able to get the uh, DNA out of there. And, um, I mean, it's just, it was a 200,000-year-old baby tooth. Did you see that story? No, because because the best the hardest substance in the body is the enamel, and if you're ever going to hide DNA somewhere, um, it'd be in a in a baby tooth. And talk about the most undifferentiated DNA. I mean, two hundred thousand year old baby tooth reveals clues about 
mysterious human lineage, and it's his uh, Denisova cave in Siberia. So, uh, you know, I keep reading. Um, I, I, I really have loved reading and following the um, anthropologists because they have um, pointed out the most obvious thing, which is the entire orthodontic profession. None of these malocclusions are found in skeletons going back 300 years. So the, huh. quest, the question isn't, is your daughter class one, class two, class three? Does she need four bicuspid extractions? Like, how come from 300 years ago to 200,000 years ago, there's no malocclusions? And the anthropologists, they're not dentists, and they're already saying, well, you used to throw your daughter a mastodon bone, and she's sitting there trying to chew cartilage off of a bone. Now you're feeding her applesauce out of a jar. There's no forces on her face. Um, back in the day... You, you had to nurse for a couple of years. Today, when you start nursing your baby, the minute the baby farts or squirms or cries, you say, ah, screw this, switch to a bottle with a, you know, just, and, and a sippy cup. So they're saying yep. that the, these babies have had no force, you know, uh, and, and your baby, your baby should be expending energy and sweating when she's eating. You know, she should yes. be fighting for that little scraping that marrow out of a bone on that mastodon bone yeah and if and and since we've <laughs> applied no forces to their face they're all messed up and i think that's going to be a big marketing if i was a millennial i'd be i'd be uh orthodontist i'd be having all these uh um deals in your office in your waiting room uh come to my presentation learn how to so that your baby won't need ortho forget about having to give her ortho let's get in an anthropologist from the school and uh, let's talk about, you know, how to prevent, you know, nurse for a whole year, you know, um, you know, give her something she actually has to chew on instead of just, you know, puree blended crap in a jar, you know. I think I think I think I'm guilty of giving my kids puree crap in a jar. Yeah, but it, it really I mean, even Carl Miss used to always talk about that stress is just force over area and you need something to spread that face you need something to spread that maxilla and all that kind of stuff so uh, you also cool. you also talk about a work-life balance so your wife owns her own business she does and you have three kids we do so how do you how do you do a work-life balance and why is that important to you because in our generation i mean seriously when i grew up if i wanted to see my dad i had to go to sonic drive-in and right. he was there when i woke up and he was there when i went to bed and he was there seven days a week and i and that was just most all my friends, like if I went over to my friend's house, I mean, his dad wasn't sitting on the couch. He was out in the barn trying to fix a combine. I mean, you know, back in the day, real men worked all day, every day. My wife, my wife's favorite restaurant is Sonic. She's from rural Mississippi. So um, she, I'm going to tell her that we spoke because every time we're driving somewhere, she's like, is there a Sonic nearby? I'm like, no, 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 not oh. even close. <laughs> oh, my God. I, uh. That, that's where I cut my teeth, man. My dad, he, that was so damn cool. He had five Sonics in Wichita wow. and uh, four other ones out, you know, Abilene, Kansas, Kearney, Nebraska, Childers, Texas, Louisville, Kentucky. And, and I, I just had no idea how much business I was learning until I got out of dental school and realized that there's no difference between the business of burgers and onion rings and the business of fillings and crowns. I mean, business is business. Is business. I know. It's people, employees for building relationships with people, customers. It just, it's all the same. It's that we're all yep. in the people business. Yes, absolutely. hundred percent. Um, so you were asking like about how do I, how do I have work-life balance? Yeah. Or you, yeah. that's how we, 
I sidetracked you with the Sonic Sonic there comment. Um, so Howard, I in 2015 I had a really uh, I know your podcast is called Uncensored, but I don't cuss, right? No, you can cuss all day long, man. This okay. is HBO. This is Dennis okay. the Uncensored. I didn't know if it was like the G rated. No, so I had no, a no. shitty I tell people I had a shitty the shittiest year of my life was 2015. I got embezzled from half a million dollars. Wow. I had a partnership breakup of, of my uh, that I had to take my life savings and pay off. And business was just crazy and disruptive because of that scenario. And uh, my son was born uh, six weeks premature. And all this kind of happened within a six-month period at the end of 2015. And, and I was under the most clinical strain, meaning I was in, you know, having the biggest clinical year of my life, which would, would sound like a good thing if I wasn't just being pulled in a hundred different directions. So literally I tell people, and so I, I, going back to corporate, I was literally about to sell the entire practice at the end of the year because I just couldn't hate take anymore. I was burnt out. I was done. I had, I had a, a dislike for dentistry as a whole because of all that was going on. Um, so I kept telling myself like, you know, I'm going to do one more day. And I would tell myself that every day because I really literally wanted to quit every day, every day. Um, and so I told myself, look, every day, just one step in front of the other, I'd sit on the end of the bed and be like, just do today. And let's talk about at the end of the day. And I've had these conversations with myself. I said, all right, get, let's get to the end of the year. So this was around Thanksgiving. I said, look, I can get to the end of the year. And once that break hits, I'm going to reverse engineer my life because my life is controlling me and kicking my ass right now. So I'm going to take 2016 and kick its ass and totally reverse engineer it. So I totally modified my schedule and my priorities and all these things um, to gain control. And luckily I had that, you know, that, that couple week period to kind of reverse engineer and totally be uh, systematic about, about the, enroll, about the uh, deployment of it. Wow. Well, let's, uh, let's, let's go through the first um, What lessons were learned on embezzlement? What did you learn after getting embezzled that would prevent that second time? Oh man. Um, don't, don't ever trust someone, no matter how much your gut tells you to trust them. You know, and I think, um, I mean, was I it an office dent- manager? Was it an, yep. a, it was an office manager. Office manager. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and, you know, and I always pride myself on being like, Oh, I know my business and I know this and that. And, and, you know, um, unfortunately I was a little distracted because my partner and I were fighting at the time. And so, you know, our eyes were shifted away from balances and checks and all these things. So there was an opportunity for fraud that presented itself just unfortunately organically. So the lessons I've learned is to have, um, multiple accountability, multiple checks and balances, not one person responsible for a certain role. Um, you know, so my office manager now is involved in it, yes, but I also have a bookkeeper that has to check her work, and then my CPA has to check all that work. And then I check the reconciliation of stuff, um, you know, just to make sure everything lines up. And because I trusted someone emphatically, I, you know, I paid the price. And were you able to get um, criminal or were you able to prosecute? It's actually, um, it's actually ongoing right now. I'm kind of in line apparently there's a lot of white collar crime in atlanta and you know what back in the day when i got out 30 years ago it was all paper pegboard systems everything was a check everything's a hard copy everybody embezzlement says that now that it's all gone digital there's literally a hundred more ways to embezzle 
Hell, I know people that can that can tell you 12 different ways um, you can embezzle from your boss just with the, taking a credit card in the credit card machine. I yep. mean, it, it's a, but um, do you use a CPA that only does dentistry or do you use a CPA where you're the only dentist? Yes. I'm you, the, I use a CPA that, that I'm the only dentist, maybe. But I'm, you know, this is my own personal belief. I don't, I don't want to be, lo- I don't want to be lumped into because I think it can become very cookie cutter if you're with someone who does that all day, every day with the same niche industry. So I like to bring um, different thinking from different industries into, into dentistry. So I've had some dental CPAs and it didn't really work out so well for me. So um, how long have you been married? Nine years. And how long were you with your partner before you guys broke up? Um, 10 years. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I, I agree with you that, you know, I, I learned so many positive things from my dad on what to, I love. I watched him go from delivering rainbow bread for 10 years, making $11,000 a year. And me and my five sisters are so poor. We were so damn poor. We didn't know we were poor. I mean, I, I didn't know. I mean, really, we had no idea we were poor. We didn't know we were poor until dad quit his job bought a Sonic drive-in franchise and went from making 11000 to 60000 We moved out to the suburbs. And I remember me and my sisters just walking around the neighborhood where all these new houses were. And we're just like, are you kidding me? We, we didn't even know this. Here? We didn't know that part of Wichita existed. But the thing <laughs> I learned the most from my, I mean, he was great with uh, so many things. But where did all his problems come from? His partners. And my mom, I mean, I heard a thousand lectures from my mom. I wish he had one restaurant where he owned it all why do you have to have nine restaurants with three other guys and you know and it was just it was always a partnership and so what i learned the most from my dad is i i don't want a partner i mean marriages fail and my god you have sex and children and that still doesn't work out half the time so now you got a partner that you don't screw you have no kids to glue you together and that's going to work out and and everybody and all the noise about how great partnerships are is because everybody talking about it sells it they sell the contracts. They sell it. So they're always out there saying, come to Disneyland, come to Orlando and get a partner. And we do partnerships. They don't advertise. Dude, if you want to marry another dentist, you need to see a shrink. I mean, rule number one, don't marry a, a dentist. You know, I mean, a non-platonic. I mean, a, uh, I mean, not, not two dentists getting married in school, but you know, two, two, two male dentists. I mean, God, just little things. What if you want... To go into CAD CAM and cosmetic dentistry, and he wants to go into implant. I mean, it just, I mean, they, they can't agree on anything. Well, I have to say that I do have another partner, but he, he's, uh, he's not an equal partner, but I did, I do have one. And it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, kind of the equity position. And he and I, before I did that again, he and I are super aligned with our objectives. And there's some other things that make it work. So I agree with you that some partnerships are doomed for failure. I disagree that all partnerships are bad. Yeah, just like marriage. Correct. Half of them are a nightmare shipwreck, and half of them are a dreamboat luxury cruise. Yep, yep. Half of them are better because of each other, right? Like, you know, and half of them are worse because of each other. Yeah. And women, uh, you should uh, only marry a woman who picks you because they seem to pick better mates than men. Men, men always get the best looking woman at the Waffle House, and men always sit there and say, "Does this guy have a job? Does he get along with his mom?" You know, is he, they're 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 interviewing you like an MBA student would interview you. Men are like, uh, "Could you spin around? Could you take one more spin in those Jordache jeans?" I just want to look. 
look one more time and uh, kick the tires. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's great. Well, look, well, look at your dental school classmates. 30% of the women married a dentist in their class, and 30% of the men married someone who worked at Walmart or the Waffle House. Hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, you don't want to touch that with a ten foot pole. He says, he says, Howard, you're an idiot, and I'm not gonna, I'm not even gonna acknowledge no, I'm that like, you I just got said nothing that. Nothing add on that. I'm, I'm not saying I've got that figured out either. <laughs> um. So, um, when you have, but when you say you have a partnership, you it sounds like you have an org chart where you own more stock than the other, so you have an org chart, and that's what it comes down to. They talk about the dentist spouse works in the office. Well, that's half the time a nightmare and half the time the best thing ever. If there's an org chart, I mean, you go into the Catholic Church, they have a pope, a cardinal, a bishop, a priest, a monsignor, and all. Everybody knows their place. You go into yep. the military. He's a general, colonel, I'm infantry. That's why I'm cleaning the toilet with my toothbrush. Everyone gets it. But if they yep. go into a dental office and, the, and the, the dentist says red, and then the dentist's spouse up front says, no, it's blue, or they go into a partnership and you say we're going to go into this and the other one. You know, if there's no org chart, this, it just crumbles down. There has to be an org chart. Yep. I completely agree. And, and you know, you need to be familiarize yourself with things like, you know, drag, drag along rights. Like I have certain rights that are inherent, inherent to me being the founding partner. But the cool part is, is, is the guy who bought in. He, he's amazing, and he knew he, – he, he bought into my vision just as much as the company. I like the way that you're um, humble and hungry, and, and I mean most people that get embezzled from would never even uh, let anybody know. I mean they just keep that secret in the closet. What do you think gives you the self-esteem enough to say, yeah, I got embezzled from? I mean I don't walk on water, and I'll, and I'll, tell, and I'll admit it. Um, I mean I, 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 I think I've just learned. I mean I'm 41 years old. I think I've just learned that you got to – you know. Um, that ego is not that cool. I mean, there's times when confidence and ego are cool, but you know, other times where, you know, it's, it's, it's life. You got to be authentic and, and transparent. Otherwise, like, you know, it's all just for show, (laughs) you know? And so I don't know what gives me that. Maybe, maybe it is. I don't know. But, um, I think too, that the more that people talk about something, the more that other people will feel comfortable talking about something. So talk about, so, your dental office is in Atlanta, and the other one is two hours away. Where's the third one? No, no, no. So there's three under one brand. So one's in Alpharetta, one's in Buckhead, and one's in, in kind of Midtown area under the brand Atlanta Dental Spa. The, there's another one outside of my brand. It's not, a, it's not associated with my, with my brand at all. It's a complete different entity about two hours away. So you have three in all those cities you named. Those are all suburbs of Atlanta, right? They're all within ten miles of each, fifteen miles of each other. And where? Do, and where do they film the deliverance? That's all. I, that's what I. That's Not where I'm anywhere. That's probably you know the Macon County that, line. Isn't that the dun 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 dun? Uh, no, you're. I, I forgot. You're too young. You probably don't remember that movie. When I was a kid, the scariest movie that ever came out was The Birds and the Deliverance, and the Deliverance was. Down, filmed down in Georgia, and of the time, it was the scariest movie. Did you ever see oh. it? Oh. Oh, my God. So then... I'm not a huge horror fan. I don't well, like horror movies. But what's funny is I was telling my boys that, you know, The Birds with Alfred Hitchcock, you know, was the scariest movie of all time. I didn't realize that they grew up on 
all this high-tech computer stuff and i remember yeah. i was so excited to show them the birds and they're like 10 minutes into it, like do we have to watch this and i'm looking at this little black and white movie but the deliverance just that last scene where he goes down with his hand in the water we were all just ah but they're that was uh, in georgia huh? yeah, that yeah. Was in georgia. it was probably nowhere near atlanta but well, the know. movie it was the i think they kept saying it was the macon county line the macon dixon county line some well, huh. But anyway, so so you have the Atlanta Dental Spa. What are the three mm-hmm. deals? Buckhead, Buckhead, um, Alpharetta, which is a which is basically north of Buckhead. Alpharetta. Alpharetta. So I imagine Buckhead is a deer. What's Alpharetta? A flower plant? Um, Alpharetta. I have I have no idea. Okay, what's the third I'm, one? And then Virginia Highlands. So now do you, so do you have like a headquarter team of like five people in like HR, marketing, finance? How, how do you logistically run three offices? Do you do clinical in all three? I do. I do. Um, but yeah, so I spend my time and that's where we're going back to quality of life thing. You know, I, I work a week and then I take a week off. I work a week and I take a week off. So some of that, what you were just referring is like how do all the logistics work is because I have the bandwidth now to help do some of that. Well, basically what you're doing is you're saying you spend half. I mean, when you don't work for a week, you're still working. You're just not doing clinical. I'm sorry. Yeah, right. I should have prefaced that. Yes. One week is clinical. One week is admin, growth, visioneering, all that stuff. Well, did you just see the, the new movie that came out about the founder? The founder, the, um, the movie, the founder about the making of McDonald's, Ray, Ray, yes. Ray Kroc. Oh, yes. Did you Kroc, see that movie? Yes. Loved it. Um, Loved it. You know, you know the, the thing that I never want to say, because it's so truthful and it's so brutal, you know, everybody listening to you went to dental school because they, they want to do surgery with their hands in an operatory and fix broken teeth and toothaches and pulpotomies. And they, that's, that's why we went to dental school. But the people who are the most successful haven't touched a patient in 20 years. Rick Workman owns 500 dental offices because he doesn't waste any time seeing a patient. He works, you know, and Ray Kroc destroyed probably 100,000 family hamburger stores because they were all so busy trying to uh, just serve their customers that no one ever thought of a drive through marketing, advertising, can we make the french fries not soggy? How come every time we need three pickles, Mary has to walk back to the refrigerator and unscrew a jar? I mean, they didn't work on any business. End, and that was why the book, The E-Myth, was so successful. That The guy was pointing out that everybody who spends all their time working on their business crushes it. And everybody who spends all their time working in the business loses it. And what you're saying is you spend half your time working on your business and what the experts would say, you need to go, you need to work all your time on your business. You can, you know, I mean, someday droids will do, you know, the fillings and crowns. Some, you know, and there's like, you already see evidence of experimental prototypes of uh, machines doing things. But the bottom line is, um, you know, like the CEO of Pacific Dental, that's the second biggest corporate dental chain. His dad's a dentist, but he said, I'm not going to dental school. I can hire a dentist on Craigslist in five minutes. So he spent all of his time. And he's got, you know, working on his processes. So I think that's cool that you spend half your time on your business and half your time doing clinical because this is what most of us do. I mean, we we know our homies. They they work four days a week, and on Friday, they're going to go do all that business stuff. And they wake up Friday morning just freaking fried and say, screw it. I'm going to go to the golf course and play golf and eat hot dogs and drink beer. And they just, they never work on their business. 
Right. In fact, I would say that most of us would be so much more successful if the most stressful time in their whole life is Mondays. If you're ever going to pick a day to work on your business, it'd be Monday morning. Because Monday morning, you're going to go in there and do it. Friday afternoon, I mean, you know you're not. Which is why my office hasn't been open Mondays in 15 years. Seriously? Seriously. And why, why is that? Because I noticed that there were a lot of cancellations Monday morning because people, patients get into the freak out mode of like, oh my gosh, I have the busiest week. What can give? Uh, I'll cancel this dental appointment. So I picked up on that because salons are always closed on Monday. So we've been closed Mondays and open Fridays for ever, 15 years. Wow. Well, um, talk about the. Uh, I'm sorry, we uh, went over. Um, where <laughs> I can't believe the hour went by, but go it's back right. in time. Um, where was your journey going? Where you started this podcast that I love and a big fan, Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. What? How long ago was that? And talk us through your journey about how that of came the, of podcasting. Yeah, yeah. How did how did you end up creating a podcast? Now that I think there's now like 40 dentists on Dental Town uploading a podcast and the the podcast section is, uh, it's just amazing. And I yeah. just get so many emails saying, you know, I get in the, in the car, I can't listen to talk radio. I go to the podcast and, 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 and I see the data, I see the views, the clicks. I know what they're doing. They're, they're, they're yep. watching all of these podcasts. Yep. You know, yep. Pod, it definitely has numbers have, it's definitely grown. Um, so my purpose, you know, I tell people I don't have, I'm not selling something, why did I start a pop? My wife asked, actually asked me that, like, why are you doing this? Like, cause you didn't have enough to do. Right. Um, but I really, to me, it's two reasons, Howard. One is I was getting so much value from other people's podcasts, like Mark Costa's podcast. He's a good friend of mine and listening to his stuff and always wanted to kind of chime into what he was saying. Right. And so number one, I felt like I had some value to give to people what, from my own experience and my ecosystem and, and, and a different twist on some things that I may believe with. And number two, I did it really to hold me accountable because I talked to all these awesome people, all these awesome business leaders and dentists and stuff. And then I have to be accountable to deploy that, that stuff into my own world. And so it holds me accountable, um, but I'm not doing it with any kind of like expectation of, oh, now sign up for my consulting or whatever. And, and maybe there will be one day, but right now it's an altruistic thing. I want to give back and pay it forward to all the good shit that I've gotten from other people. And, and I like Mark Costas too. I'm out here in Phoenix, Arizona. He's up the street yeah. in uh, Prescott. Prescott, yeah. And what, what's he up to now? Like seven offices? Uh, I think he has 11 now. He just like, he's on, he was on a rapid, rapid acquisition. Um, Pretty, pretty, and, and what I, I would and, say it's 11 or 11 or so. And next time you talk to him, tell him I'm going to hold his feet to the fire. Uh, what I love about what he does the most, you walk into, I mean, you know, um, South, the only secret to lower price is lower cost. And Herb Kelleher, again, he wasn't a pilot. I swear to God, if he would have been a pilot, he'd have gone out to all the pilot institutes and got all the pilot, you know, the, the pilot spear, panky, dos, coish, you know, they, they just spent their whole life trying to get the most alphabet soup. He was a drunk lawyer who smoked four packs a day in Love Field, never flown a plane in his life, but he's so geniusly simple. He's like, well, look at these guys. They're flying six different planes. They got to have parts for six different planes. They got to have training and this. And then, and then I call in sick and you can't come in because you're certified on a, on an Airbus and he's on a 720. And 
He said, we're going to have one damn plane. And every plane's going to be a Boeing 737. In fact, that's the only reason they still make that plane is because yep. it's the only one Southwest will buy, and they're 27% of seat miles flown. And uh, Mark Costas did that with his operatory. You walk into any office he has, and you open up that third drawer, it looks the same like every drawer. So if I have a dental assistant call in sick, and I send in Susie Q over to replace Johnny, uh, she walks in there. She, I mean, he is so organized. Yep. I think he's uh, he's brought Southwest Airlines to corporate dentistry unlike no other. I, I would agree. You know, he's all about systems-driven dental practice, and and makes a whole lot of sense because you don't suffer the pain when you leave that key employee or someone has to move or whatever. You know, you can literally step someone in and they're and they're. Um, I don't, what am I trying to say? They're not. They're. Their, their entry into the organization is, is much uh, shorter. Yeah. Or the entry into being awesome in the organization, I should say. And the so other thing sense. about him that he has all the qualities of success, that they're always humble. So they listen to other people on podcasts. Yep. They listen to their employees, their patients. They're always hungry. They got a work ethic from hell. Yep. You know, they're like five coyotes who have never eaten in a month. And, um, and he's so, and the third, probably maybe the biggest one, is he's so intellectually curious. And yep. those are what I saw with the dentist that took 100 hours of dental continuity. They were curious about everything. I mean, I, like when people say, well, I can't decide if I should go to um, Panky or, or, or Coise or Spear or Dawson. I, I said, well, then go to all four of them. Go to all four and then tell me which one was better and why. Because, I mean, I mean, I mean you're, gonna be, you're working on cars your whole life. Who cares if you go to a transmission course, an electrical course? I mean, right. just go to all of them. I mean, you're not going to walk out of any of them dumber. Yeah, absolutely. There's, <laughs> you know there's value I mean? through all of them. I completely agree with that. Yeah, and cross-training. That's why Carl Mitch, I asked Carl Mitch, I told him once, I said, why you? I mean, there's all these guys that got into implants. Why do you think you were the best? Well, what, what do you think your breakout was? And because, he said, because I was first a prosthodontist making removable dentures, and then these guys were doing implants so, so wrong that the implants were breaking, and then they'd blame it on the implant. He's like, dude, right. it wasn't the implant. You didn't have a bite. You didn't have a... finger pointing, right? Yeah, and he, yeah. Says, he says it was the cross-training in removable that made him get an A in fixed. And if you, uh, you, know, and if you don't have an A in removable, how are you going to get an A in fiction? You need to know both sides. But, uh, man, I, I, I just a uh, big fan of your podcast, big, show, big fan of your website, Atlanta Dental Spa. Um, well, well, thank you, Howard. I pre I appreciate that. And I have to say, you know, it's I wouldn't I don't say things like this flippantly, but you, you know, you and what you've done for the industry has had a big impact on my life. I connected with a lot of people even in, when I was in dental school on Dental Town, and it, you know, just just you providing the conduit has been um, probably one of the most important things in our in our industry. So, thank you for all that you've done. And and. Uh, when I see well, guys you, like you, you and Mark. Can you say that again to Ryan? Because he's my son here, and he thinks I'm a complete idiot. <laughs> when I told him I was 4% Neanderthal, he said, is the other 89% orangutan? <laughs> 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 I'm just kidding. But, uh, well, thanks for the kind words, and uh, good luck on the show. And tell Costas and all the other podcasters uh, to make sure all their shows are uploaded on the deal because we're going to be a, doing a big cover story on it on, uh, on uh, Dentaltown. And uh, thank you for okay. being humble, hungry, intellectually curious. And that, that's what I think the number one best thing about these podcasts are is these little kids in small towns, their study club has one deal a month. 
one deal a month. They get it. They get to meet with their homies and listen to someone talk. And with the podcast, they can listen to someone ten times, ten different people a day for free on their iPhone from from around the world. I mean, and it's just a game changer of making information a commodity. And what's cool about this, and I always tell people, I'm like, it's really just yours for the taking. You you can choose to consume it, but people give like their cookbook of how they did it, and it's there. And you can either use it or not, but don't complain in the meantime, right? Like, so I think that's what's super cool about people is just being totally raw and authentic and giving back and paying it forward. And they're literally telling you how to do it if you want to do that. And so, man, it, it, it's just cool. It's just cool. It's going to be it's going to be human's finest century going from a world of 80 uh, percent can't read or write to a world that now everyone can access a smartphone and, and go and they have access to all the information. Well, I mean, the, the planet's never seen this going all the way back to that baby tooth they found 200,000 years ago. Yeah, it's abundant. It's abundant. I mean, it, it's yours. You, it, it, you can make your own luck. Thank you so much for coming on the show. My pleasure, Howard. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening to Bulletproof Dental Practice with your hosts, Dr. Peter Bolden and Dr. Craig Spodak. Online at BulletproofDentalPractice.com. We'll catch you next time.